I think that you're headed for a whole lot of trouble. Well, I think that you're headed for a whole lot of trouble. You're listening to The Whiskey Philosopher with Jeff Cooper on the Ignotainment Media Network. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Episode four of the Whiskey Philosopher. Um, appreciate you all listening uh, to the podcast. Chris and I actually did make it back safely from Mexico City. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, we certainly enjoyed giving you a little taste of, of uh, the most underrated city on earth. Hopefully you, uh, if you haven't visited this week since you heard the podcast, hopefully you do so soon. Um, so we're back. We're back. Um, you know, each episode, by the way, I just I want to continue to do this because I'm very, very appreciative. We get more and more subscribers, more and more downloads. I want to thank you all for for subscribing. And for those of you who, who have not done so yet, please click the subscribe button on, uh, on the Apple iTunes store. If you are on an Android device, um, go to the Android store download Stitcher, which is a podcast program, uh, then search for The Whiskey Philosopher, and then hit subscribe. So either on Stitcher or on the iTunes store, um, please subscribe. And if you get a chance and uh, you're so inclined and you're on your laptop because you can't do it on on your phone, um, please leave some comments so that Apple knows that we're loved and they love us back. Um, and if you, if you want to find us outside of iTunes or outside of Stitcher, you can go to our website, which is thewhiskeyphilosopher.com. You can email me, jeff, at thewhiskeyphilosopher.com. Uh, whiskey Philosopher, by the way, is with an E, W-H-I-S-K-E-Y. Um, my buddy, the Ocho Man, when I said it was with an E, said, dude, you don't spell that W-H-E-S. So anyway, W-H-I-S-K-E-Y, philosopher.com. Email jeff at the at thewhiskeyphilosopher.com on Twitter. Just search Whiskey Philosopher, uh, and on Facebook, you can go to our facebook.com backslash Whiskey Philosopher and find us. On this podcast, we have two goals. We like to taste a good whiskey or a bourbon each week, um, even though we did tequila from Mexico City. And we like to talk about some interesting things uh, that that, that I find interesting, quite frankly, and that we we hope that, that you find interesting as well and that is worth you giving an hour of your time or so to uh, to listen. So the whiskey we're going to taste today is Glenmorangie Nectar Dior. It's a single malt Scotch whiskey. Sort of brings us uh, full circle. We started in episode one with the Philosopher Blend from WhiskeyBlender.com. Uh, in episode two, we went to good old fashioned Jameson's Irish whiskey. Episode three, we did Willett's Rye whiskey. Uh, from Kentucky, and we're back to Scotch today. Um, so today's topic, which actually I'm not going to lie to you, it just came up at lunch today. We had we had a uh, 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 guest that that was supposed to come on, couldn't come on. They'll be on here over the next two or three weeks. Um, but at lunch today, uh, just to show you how prepared we are for this, um, we were discussing, which should tell you a little bit about the origin of this of this. Uh, um, podcast, we were discussing what's the worst thing that could happen to our collective mental health, right? Um, And as you all know, the title of this podcast is The Whiskey Philosopher, which is taken from 
what everybody calls the drunk guy at the end of the bar who has the answers to all of life's questions. Uh, so the question of the day, um, what is the worst thing that could happen to the collective, to the world's collective mental health, is pretty much right up our alley. Um, and my my guest today is my buddy Tony Hubert, who's really just about one of the only people I know who would actually be interested in this question. So rather than boring the crap out of everybody at lunch, we decided, hey, let's walk back in. We'll do a podcast on this. So we're just going to wing this. Uh, Tony and I together. Tony, welcome. Hey, how you doing? Well, I mean, I'm doing okay. Good. You doing all right? I have a whiskey in my hand. Yes, you do. And it's good. And we're going to get back to tasting that in a little bit. You can certainly drink it now. We'll do a little tasting notes. Neither you nor I are... uh, are uh, professionals at tasting or rating whiskey, but we do have a lot of experience, and so uh, we'll give you that as we get going. So, so Tony, clearly from lunchtime to now, yes, you've had a little chance to think about what is the worst thing that could happen to the world's collective mental health. There are some obvious ones for me. Um, what's give what's, me one. Obvious one for me is you know nuclear war, right? That's that yeah. would be it would be a disaster for the folks that survived. It'd be a disaster. Um, you know, we sort of we developed, we evolved. I think to better to handle something like that than than other things. So there are a lot of things going through my mind. But meant, nuclear war nuclear would certainly war would, certainly would be one of them, right up there. Yeah, because what you're what you're saying is welcome back to the Stone Ages. Yeah, but with this little caveat, welcome back to the Stone Ages. With radiation and cancer, good luck. Mm-hmm. So, I would if, if if I had a choice, obviously non-nuclear war. Okay, but I think when you look at look at our kids, the worst thing you can do to your kids, take that tech away from them. Mm-hmm. So go one step further. Take all technology and electronics and everything digital yeah. away. You know, the world gets hit by a gamma ray, an, an electromagnetic pulse, and right. everything is rendered useless. Yeah. Imagine that. Now we have all of our current problems and nothing to help us with them. Yeah. Means of communication, medicine, out the window. Can you imagine if we actually had to talk to one another again? Oh, it's horrifying. Shocking. It's horrifying. <laughs> you couldn't exactly. take it. Exactly. And, and and so, yeah, that takes us back. I mean, another one that, that's along the same lines is, you know, some sort of gigantic asteroid coming toward Earth that that uh, that we couldn't move away. So then you've got you've got a countdown clock that, see that, on the world. Because then it's like the movie The Purge in right. some respect. If ever a countdown clock starts then we get to witness the real anarchy yeah right in front now for a while that might be for guys like you and i i'd like to watch 20 minutes of that until i get caught up in it which inevitably you will but a countdown clock just sends the psyche of the human race right off this rock well that's i mean the survival uh instincts start to kick in right you worry about your kids you worry about your family you worry about all those kind of things and Therein lies the question. Something like that, does the best in humanity come out or does the worst or both? I think I think the worst will come out in a lot of respects. However, for me, if there's a countdown clock, I got we can just go to the beach. Yeah. I, I mean, see, really, go I, to the why, beach and, and, and enjoy it. I agree. That's why I think actually, in a, while it would be obviously an awful shock to the world's collective mental health, I think something like a countdown clock 
would actually bring out the best in everybody because everybody would think, well, you know what? It's, you know, it's the end of the road. Um, let's just enjoy ourselves. I, either whether that means, you know, going out to the beach or it means just sitting at home and staring at the people you love or whatever it might be. I think for very few people, and there would be those, but I think for very few people is, um, you know, would they take their last few minutes to be awful? Oh, I think if they got caught up in it, of course it's emotional. Okay. No, there's no doubt. Countdown clock is emotional. So are there going to be riots and looting? And yeah, even though it's kind of self-defeating because with, okay, congrats, you got the new sneakers, buddy. Wait, <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do with the big screen? Yeah. What are you going to do with that big screen? Because <laughs> you got about two hours to enjoy it. No, I would hope, and I'm with you in this respect, I would really hope that some sort of calm and peacefulness and joy that we had the chance to be here and whatever this was for would sort of engulf our humanity. I agree with that. So then that goes to another one. Another one that came to mind as we're talking about this is, is a, is a real, you know, not Ebola, not, not all the stuff we panic about, but a real true super virus where you don't have it. Your kids don't have it. But there is a high likelihood you're going to get it. That's terrifying. That's terrifying. That uh, One of the early books I read on philosophy was French philosopher Albert Camus. Camus? I'm not sure how to pronounce Anyway, he wrote a famous Camus. book called The Plague. Yeah, Camus. <laughs> that guy, Camus. Exactly. He wrote a famous book called The Plague. It's a novel, but you know, it, you know, a plague situation where you're watching everyone start to check out. And again, it's kind of like a countdown clock, but there's a glimmer of hope because if you can be one of the last people standing, you're still alive. You're still in the game, which is, you know, that's what we as humans want to do. We have this biological imperative to keep living and then reproduce and keep living and then reproduce. That's our imperative. That's like our prime directive, biologically speaking. But if you, if there was like every night, another 10,000 died today. Another fifty thousand died this past weekend, and that in the play, and it doesn't look like there's any hope in sight. Then it gets a little harder to go to the beach. There's no doubt about that. It definitely gets hard to go to the beach. But I also don't necessarily know if that brings out the worst in humanity because you you don't want to be around other people no. at that point. There is no point in going and stealing everything because no. either you're going to die or. Almost everybody else is going to die, and there's going to be plenty of stuff plenty. for everybody to do. Not that everybody's going to be thinking logically and, and going down those lines when it's happening, but I don't know what that does it. You know, the, along those same lines as a as a real super virus is something something occurs, whatever it might be, and there's 50 different theories about this, of drastic, sudden climate change where right. – um, what's the movie, Hugh, where the, the – the the ocean currents completely stop going. Weather goes you know goes yeah. crazy, and so it's it's a you know, those types of scenarios. Um, yeah, I think the movie's called Day After or something along right. those lines, and Day After Tomorrow, and um, and so you in those instances there there does become a shrinking pool of of uh, resources. Those are the types of things that I think can bring out the worst. But what we want to talk about, what I want to talk about, what we were talking about at lunch, is not set, not necessarily what's going to trigger the best or what's going to trigger the worst. What's going to have the longest, um, the longest continuing impact on human 
mental right. health. What, well, what's really going to do it? E- each one of these is a rather short term. Even if even if a super virus took, let's say, a hundred years to wipe out it, that's short term. That's a blink of an eye in in the time time span of history. So what really changes the game and changes philosophy, thought about ourselves, our own identity, is clearly then a contact event. It has to be, right? Yeah. There's no other thing that I can think of other than lifting the veil of reality and finding another reality. It has to be a contact event with another sentient, intelligent life form. That, that's it. And that is the end-all, be-all of, of that question, Jeff, of what could change everything. And we are still moving on as an ongoing concern. You know, humanity is still, still traveling down the road of whatever it is we're here to do. That would be a game-changer. Yeah. No, I, I actually I agree with you completely. I think that, you know, in, the, in all of the things we've talked about, whether it's an EMP or gamma ray burst or whatever, any of the, the lasting things, a super virus, the, in, in the, the, the deadline events, right, nuclear war, right. Uh, the, the, the asteroid, climate change is eventually going to wipe us out. Those don't really matter because we're all going to die. Yeah, they, so they have a away. finite ending. Exactly. For an EMP where you're going to live, we've already we've already been there. So you know we've already lived in villages and grown our own food, and you know you, you're going to be able to adapt. And it's is it going to be easy? No, no. it'll be brutal. But I actually agree with you. The more the more that that I think about it, I think that alien contact changes the game. And with you know SETI currently SETI the the uh, the group that's out looking for for intelligent life in the in the in the uh, the universe or you know beyond our own universe wherever it might be outside of Earth if you look at the number of planets they've found that are in the Goldilocks zone staggering it's staggering I mean the the number is into the what I think tens or hundreds of thousands now of yeah, planets and, and that are you, look you know what the estimates what the math for our own galaxy is like billions upon billions of planets. Mm-hmm. That's just our galaxy. Not to yeah. mention all the other galaxies, which there are billions and billions of observable ones in the universe. So the stats, if you're a believer in extraterrestrial life, the stats are with you. That, it's, it, that it's probably out there. Yeah, and well and, and that's that's the question then cuz I mean I was going to say why haven't we been contacted? There are a lot of people that believe we have and you know you, you got all these cons- conspiracy theories and all this other th- other stuff, but why do you think you know the good old-fashioned Fermi's paradox, right? Okay. Why if there's all these planets and if there's all these places where life could spring up and it's all happened, why have we not heard from them? The, you're asking the where is everybody yeah. question. Yeah. yeah. When we holler out into the universe yeah. and it echoes and echoes and echoes right. and nobody answers that we know of, why? There, There's a lot of good – there are a lot of very good concepts, theories to that Fermi paradox you're talking about. From Everything from we're the zoo and everyone's observing us to – and we're just not we're not developed yeah. enough to understand, to understand. We're behind like bars. you know does right. the animal in the zoo realize that they're in the zoo right you know is that us do we do we not see the bars do we not perceive of the bars is it a self-imposed quarantine that 
the real ETI, the extraterrestrial, you know, terrestrial intelligences, do they do they kind of cordon themselves off? Because if they can perceive that they themselves going out into the void, they may see some ugly, nasty things. If they're smart enough to perceive that, do they quarantine themselves off and just you know kind of get low and hide? That's one. I, for any any civilization that develops to a certain point, is there another civilization out there that when they get to that point goes, uh-uh, you're done. We're not having any competition. So there's a lot of these. And I got to say, like when you mentioned SETI, that's passive listening. Right. Okay. But we broadcast now in modern culture. These radio waves go somewhere. We're pretty loud. I don't know that broadcasting our presence is the wisest thing. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> I, if, if you know, keeping up with the Kardashians is the first thing oh that, that somebody sees out there or, you know, Nicki Minaj's new album, um, then, then no wonder they're not coming back to talk to us. But really, look at my response when, when anybody talks about Fermi's Paradox and why because that's that's the answer to a lot of people who say there's no way. There's no way if there if there were aliens out there, there they'd be here. Well, if you look at because and I'm not sure I don't remember what the scale is, but there's some scale that they use of uh, I think it's the Rio scale where they you you rank societies and um, societies that that mm-hmm. live off of their planet's resources are level one. Societies that live off of surrounding areas are level two. Level three are one that have gone out of their own solar system, th- those kind of things. Sure. We're so clearly level one. So if we think that we're incredibly advanced in, in the grand scheme of things, what is potentially possible, even within our own understanding, we're not. So if we look at how how we currently as a level one world on that scale, how we treat um, the – the, the 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 tribe that's made no contact in the Amazon, Oof. right? We don't we don't rush in there and sit down and say, "Hey, let us tell you about everything." No. Per- periodically, we'll fly over, and you see them looking up, sure. going, "What the hell is that thing that just flew over and took pictures of me?" Um, we try not to contact them. Um, to me, that's the thing that makes the most sense because there, if you know, if there are civilizations, because the other piece, the other one of the other answers to the Fermi paradox is we we just, even though the 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 universe is billions and billions of years old, we're we may just be on the front end of the of the you know. Well, there is the we're, the, we're, the we're first theory. Yeah, the kid, you know, we're the kid that grew early. Yeah, basically, I mean, there there's the we're first theory. There's the we survived a filter event theory. And then there's also the we're fuck theory. Yeah. when the, And that one is, hey, the end is coming to get you and filter you out. Yeah. And we can't know where we are. That's the thing. Yet. We have no idea. So yeah. we're, we're either alone and there's nobody else out there or we're first or we're not first, but nobody has yet found us. Right. Or they found us and they're, and they're just watching, which is exactly what we would do if we ever came into a new uh, a new, you know, if we found a, a hidden society somewhere on Earth, or or if we went and found life on Mars, I promise we would not run in there and you know announce ourselves and jump in. We'd sit there for for fifty, a hundred, two hundred years, just watching to see what happened. Maybe that's what's going on here. That's what I hope we would do. But if you just reel the clock back five hundred years, that's not what humans have done when encountering something new. It's true. I mean, when Pizarro hit Peru, 
that didn't go well for the Incas. Well, and that's and we learn from that. And I guess that's my point. I think people learn those let people Jesus uh, beings learn those lessons on their own planet right. as they meet each other before they ever have the technology to get off the planet. Not to mention why they left the planet. Did they leave the planet because they destroyed their own planet? Which you know was one of the things we talked about earlier as being yeah, some right. You know all of these different things. So there are a million conversations we could have about that. Let me take one step further. Go because this is what gets to really. And what we talked about earlier, really impacting um, the, the the mental viewpoint of humanity. What happens regardless when first contact is made, first contact that everybody knows about? What does it do to philosophy? What does it do to religion? What does it do to um, people's general outlook? You know, we talked earlier about... Uh, just going to the beach when something right. happened or whatever. Does this, you know, within all that, your your outlook on philosophy, your outlook on religion, does this bring out the best in humanity or the worst in humanity and why? I think it's going to depend on what and why we're visited. For instance, when contact is made, are they pulling right out of hyperspace and and then immediately broadcasting hello? Or is it we've been watching you for quite some time? And we felt now was the time to make some level of introduction. And can they even communicate that thought to us for us to understand? Let's assume for purposes of this conversation, because you can assume a lot of things. Sure. You can talk about they came here for war. They Look, if they can get here and they came here for war. Yeah, they can knock us out. We're in deep shit. Yeah. So let, let's, let's put all those aside because, you know, those to me are the same as an asteroid hitting Earth or whatever it might be. Let's talk about they get here. And they say, not we've been watching you for for 50 years. We've been watching you for 1,000 years. We know all about you. We know everything that you've done. We've seen your history. And by the way, we can go back and correct a lot of your history because we can actually show you what really happened at, you know, the the, the Battle of Thermopylae or, you know, whatever, oh, whatever wow. you want to do, yeah. which – Maybe that's the wrong way to go about it because it really would then no, throw no, out no, all they, of history. But so they, they videotaped could, it. So they could lay bare history sure. for us. They've watched us for, for you know, an entire epic. Um, what then? What? And, and, and by the way, they're friendly and they're nice. They're not here. They're not here doing the, you know, I don't know if, if anybody yeah. watched the TV show V. They're yeah, not opening, don't, they don't need food. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. And they're not opening clinics and they're not doing – they're here just to say, hi, we're here. We've been watching you. You've reached a point where technologically where you may find us in, in 100 years. So we just wanted to say hi and we're just going to leave. And from now on, we'll, cont- we'll contact XYZ group and off we go. So let's not talk about the political element because I think politically is where it actually has the most impact of anything because – who gets anointed, which we can talk about a funny thing, <laughs> but, you know, who gets anointed to talk to uh, the, the non-human species. Um, but let's just talk about, let's, let's, let's use the, uh, the assumption that they've watched us forever, they're sitting here. What does that do to philosophy and religion and the general outlook of, of humanity? For philosophy, I think it's a great thing. For religion... That's going to depend on a couple elements. What are they? Well, the first element is if they come to us, because every place that humanity has gone so far has brought their religion with it and wanted to impose their religion on the discovered. Now, two things can happen. They can come in with a 
quote-unquote religion and try to introduce us to it. Or they could arrive and tell us a very, very familiar-sounding story. And if they tell us a very, very familiar-sounding story, that's another quandary that I don't know that anybody is ready to address. Because that takes us from faith to a pretty pretty big assertion that there's knowledge and then there's a supreme being if we hear a familiar story. Now, if they come and say, hey, no, this right over here, this is it. See this? And we got this. And we get, then we got this scripture. And then we got this. And we'll be like, okay, yeah, that's very nice. We got one of those too. Right. Okay. So, but for philosophy, if I'm a philosopher, I, then I'm like, man, I want to pick your brain endlessly. Endlessly. Because it's like discovering the, the library at Alexandria. Well, but let's, let's, let's go before that. Because if we can pick their brain endlessly, then we learn. And with, with, with the learning comes an entirely new mentality, and it may be the ultimate human renaissance when that happens. But in the moment, we don't know anything. Right. They haven't told us about their God, if they have one. If, if they have one. If they right. believe there is one, or if, by the way, they've been playing God to us. Like to we us. Don't, we right. don't know any of those things. We just know that someone is here, not from Earth, and they're not here to kill us. Right. I'm asking, can you help us? Yeah, I'm at. Can you help us? Here, we've got some problems, and here, and I'm going to be. I, look, you'd have to be blunt. Here's our problems. We live on a rock. We have a scarcity of resources. There are more and more and more of us every day. At some point, the resources are unsustainable. By the fact that you got here, we're going to assume that you've solved that problem. Yeah, or you haven't. And or you have And you're continuing to look, and, and they look and at us and you're looking say, for answers, and yeah. we're looking for answers, and then we go, we're both screwed, but yeah. you're a little ahead of us. Exactly. They, get, they go, yeah, get in line, pal. Right, get, get back here. We'll catch up with you. Yeah, no, it's, it, it is um, – I think that's right. I think that there's going to be a lot of searching for answers. Um, I think that from a philosophical standpoint, I don't know if it if – it, helps or hurts. What I do know is that there have been a huge number of philosophies and philosophers who have understood the um, really, you know, and you hate to use this word about yourself or all the other people you know, the insignificant nature of our lives and human lives in general. The fact that we live on this pale blue dot in the middle of nowhere. There are gazillions of us here. Yep. And so everything that you think is a huge deal to you, yeah. you know, my guess is one of, one of the things that – and since lunch today and we were talking about this today, one of the things that keeps running through my mind is you know, it really makes traffic seem less of a big deal <laughs> or the fact that you can't find a parking space or the fact that you know, your, your girlfriend dumped you or the fact that you know, your kid got a, got a D on a test. Like, all of those things become less – significant and i think that it really does um it goes to you know marcus aurelius would talk about in in meditations would talk about um this exact point right the fact that despite despite the absolute fact that he was at that time arguably the most important human being on the planet as the emperor of the roman empire um he even knew that his life was insignificant right. in the grand scheme, of things, in, at least in his own mind and his Stoic philosophy and everything else. 
I think you're right. I think that that contact would help philosophy if for no other reason than it just made people think about on a regular basis their place in not only this world but all of the worlds out there and um, and would be you know would be something that from a mental health standpoint sure I think personally is very healthy because it allows you to minimize the day-to-day stuff that we yeah. tend to really over uh, over analyze and make overly important when the truth is is just living being a good person and doing your thing is the most important thing and uh, and so I I, th- I think something like this would would truly help most of our issues are scarcity based and maybe this type of event would lead to a self-examination that the purpose for our being is is love and joy and 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 try and try and go and experience that and that instead of you know the purpose of life is to do that the perp we always look at these external things oh the purpose of life is to spread life and blah 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 no 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 instead of going outward go inward shove it back inward to to you know very simple elemental things love joy happiness yeah and you know, and if you have those things, the other problems will all drift away. They'll all drift away. Yeah, this is what I, you know. And, and can a contact event help us reach enlightenment? You know, can it facilitate it? Can it can it put the accelerator to us reaching enlightenment? And and if that is the case, because I would certainly hope so. Because uh, the you know the alternatives are, yeah. You know, they they uh, they needed plastics. They couldn't figure it out. They needed. <laughs> they, they went to the Pacific yeah, Ocean. They needed plastics. They <laughs> they saw that there was a big uh, a hunk of plastic in the Pacific as big as Texas. Exactly. They said, "Thanks for the plastic. We're going to yeah. take care of that problem." We got the plastic. Uh, see you in another epoch. You know. Yeah, we're, we're, we'll see you in another ten thousand years. Keep <laughs> keep making those plastics. We'll just just the Sanford and Sons of the Galaxy. Just, yeah, we're they the, pull yeah, through, yeah. grab it, and go. We, we really yeah we. We didn't want to extend. It was it was easier for us to go interstellar and develop that technology than it was for us to do this. And so we're here. Thank you. We'll be back. Exactly. Do you need anything? And to which we reply it. And th- that's the thing. What if they reverse a question on us? Because we're going to ask for help. I think we're all in agreement about that. We are asking for help immediately. Absolutely. What if they go, okay, what do you what, what do you really need? Because what you just asked for, we're going to show you how simple that is to solve. Right. What do you really need? Yeah. What are we going to then say? What are we going to then say? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think they, they, in the questions they ask us, they absolutely answer almost every one of the questions that we have. Right? What do you, I would think what so. do you really need? And we say, we want to cure all disease. And they go... <laughs> no, you don't. No, that's it's what are you gonna do then? Yeah. You're gonna have fifty five billion people yeah. on this little rock by curing with it no all. way of getting off because by the way, we're not giving you a ride because we just we need your plastic for more fuel. Right. So we're out of here. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. There we're gonna ask for help. The question it's it's almost like the what would you what would you ask from the genie question? Right? Do do you do you say do you say to the genie, hey genie Make me a billionaire, right? Because that's the other piece of it. Yeah. The, the, when, when the one person is talking or the group of people are talking, they become the most powerful people 
in the history of humankind. If it's one person, if it's 10 people, it's 50 people, because they can say, give to us, us meaning me and these other 10 people in the room, or us meaning humanity, which leads me to my question to you. Who is the person, the person, single person living today, that if tomorrow down comes Johnny Alien and he lands and he says, you know, take me to your leader, right? The good old, good old, uh, yeah. what was the 1950s yeah, sci-fi. Exactly. Take 19, me to your leader. Exactly. So he, who, and, and, and he runs into Tony Hubert, okay? You're driving back on Highway 44 in St. Louis and yeah. down comes a spaceship yeah. and he says, Tony, I've been watching you for a little while. Take me to your leader. Who do you, who of all people on earth does Tony Hubert take the alien to? This guy who sits outside a quick trip with a, a brown bag. Yeah? Yeah. Well, if they've been observing us for a long time, they'll have a good idea of who they want to talk to. Now, if they're just passing by, see us, get off the exit ramp, slam on the brakes and stop, it's a little different. Check out that plastic. Yeah, look at that. Oh, man. Like, exit 75, there's, there's a ton of that plastic. You know. If they do that, but you don't know. You don't know this I, going. I don't in. know how they got. Yeah so, yeah, so you don't know. All you know is they they they, they land taking, on Highway Forty Four. I want to take them to the most peaceful person. Who is it? This is my question. I, then, you gotta, then you gotta it's stop either dancing. then it's either the Dalai Lama. Yep. At which point, by the way, two fifths of the world's population goes absolutely batshit crazy and immediately is against it. But go ahead. Who's right. the other person? Yeah. Um, I'd I would trust the current Pope as peaceful. Interesting. I, now that you cannot say that about all popes. I agree with that completely. Okay, and you cannot say that about other Christian leaders Correct. at all. And you certainly cannot say that about um, Jewish leaders or Islamic leaders. Or in, You take the Abrahamic faiths, Jeff, and wipe those out right away because their track record is abysmal. It, right. Okay, now tell me who the Buddhists have invaded. I agree. I, I think, by the way, if I could pick one person without – political ramification it would absolutely be the Dalai Lama not because I mean not because he's the Dalai Lama because the next Dalai Lama might be a complete dipshit and everything else but this guy has proven over the course of decades to be an unbelievably thoughtful good person I think that's your point about this Pope as well in the limited experience we have with this Pope very very thoughtful seems to be seems to have taken the office of Pope for what it's meant to be as opposed to anything else, and I think where you're going, because these are two people that you've mentioned, that seem to be anyway. Between you know, with we, and we never know with today's PR and everything no. else, but seem to be in terms right. of public persona, selfless. Right. Right. They are. They're doing it for humanity. And what's interesting, because I've been thinking about this since the question came to me today at lunch, and we've, yes. we've talked about it since. I've tried to. Be, I've tried to think of who I would pick. The first person that came to my mind is the Dalai Lama. No, no kidding. Doubt, no doubt about it. Fantastic. Because, because it is, it is. I mean, probably the most well-respected humanist on yes. earth by, by the Western world anyway. Um, it cannot be anybody political. No, it can't because they, they are, they are uh, all politicians by, by their nature are just obsessed with scarcity. Whether it's scarcity of resources to procure for their constituents 
or the scarcity of constituents that they have left to keep them in office. But it's scarcity all over the place. Politicians' lives are the scarcity model. Do I have enough votes? Again, it's all that stuff. Humanists, on the other hand, aren't worried about scarcity. In fact, they're saying you can do much, much more with much, much less. In fact, the Dalai Lama, I would hypothesize his question to an alien, to, to don't I don't even want to say alien. I'm going to say real an ETI life form mm-hmm. would be, how can we make do with less? Right. How can we make do with less? How can we solve our own problems, right. not have you solve them for us? Yeah. Give us just. Can you show us one or two things? You know, and, and they don't. I don't think they're going to be technological in nature either. I think they're going to be philosophical in nature. Well, here's the real question because. I don't, necess- I don't necessarily know that the Dalai Lama would ask that question because I think the Dalai Lama and most people on this planet who have really thought about it, they already know the answer. The question is, how do I have the power slash authority to do the things I know I need to do to do with less? Which I don't know that they – I mean, if they're here to our point earlier, they have very big guns. But sure. can they, you know, are they willing to be the arbiter of all of Earth's, no. uh, you know, that's. and Yeah, because you're so, not traveling the galaxy to play referee to some local tribal conflict. Yeah. Which is, that's what we would be. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to think that there's some United States, you know, uh, galactic nation out there going, should we really go over there and get involved? Because you remember when we were on Croton 5? Oh, right. man, we were there for 5 billion <laughs> years. The nightly new Dan, Dan Rather, Cronkite was against us. It's going to be the same thing. Right, exactly. It, no, they're not. That's not what their purpose is, which, I, which I, leads me back and forth on this. And I really do go back and forth because, Jeff, I do believe that we are not alone. I just believe we're probably relatively alone. But look all past that. If someone can get to us and just wants to say hello, purely altruistic means, you know, they're not going to they don't care about a squabble like that. They're just going to look at us and go, "You stupid petty people." So wouldn't it be in that instance, wouldn't it be the Secretary General of the United Nations? Only because if 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 it is not mm. the Dalai Lama, or if, if it's any, whether it's the Dalai Lama, the Pope, um, the, the the head of the Eastern Orthodox religion, yeah. the, the the biggest Imam in the world, the right. biggest Rabbi in the world, whoever whoever they are, um, you know, Ayatollah Khomeini or Khomeini, whatever yeah, however, however yeah. you pronounce it, um, you know, any any of any of those religious figures is immediately polarizing to the other religious figures. There's no question, and so while. I said earlier it can't be a political uh, entity. Right. I think, unfortunately, that's where it's going to go anywhere, anyway, because they're, you're going to have you're going to have a um, someone, some entity is going to be charged with. Let's have this conversation. I think it's got to be, in my opinion, it's got to be the secretary secretary general of the United Nations, which, by the way, nine times out of ten comes from one of the. Not nine times out of ten. Ten times out of ten comes from the non-military powers of the world. Sure. I don't think there's ever been a U.S. Secretary well, General or a Russian or a Chinese, um, and and so um, for representing 
all of humanity in a sit-down talk, I think that's who it's got to be. I, I can buy that, but if I'm the if I'm the ETI life form, I'm looking at that person going, "Wait a second, you don't look like everyone else." Because now here's here's just the stat for you: average person on Earth looks Oriental. Oh no, it's Chinese. Chinese. They're Chinese. I mean, Chinese. That's the it's you throw the, a dart. You're going to hit a Chinaman. Absolutely. Well, that's the that's the that's the the movie Dave. I don't know if you've seen it. It's the Eddie Murphy movie where he's the he's the alien, and they come down and they say the average the average person is a 29 year old Chinese male named you know Wen John Ching or yeah. whatever it might mm-hmm. be, and so they decide that's going to be their name because that would be the name of the average person on on the planet. Right. So there's no question about that. However, if they've if they've looked at all, they'll see an amazing diversity on earth of people. They should, yeah. And they know that somebody has to represent it. And given that the UN General Assembly is made up of of, you know, as many as many countries as, as there are on earth and it's a fairly democratic process to get to be the secretary general and the the security council on there there's equal power between east and west sure. with the vetoes and everything else. I think it's the only place you can really go. Um but that that being said, just a, a fun question for you: What celebrity? So it's not political at all. What celebrity do you pick for uh, for talking to celebrity. to the aliens? I mean, is it Arnold Schwarzenegger because he because he he was a cybernetic organism, or well, is it Terminator, or is it is it uh, Matt Damon because he's Jason Bourne and they'll probably think he's a real badass if they watch any movies? Is it uh, could be Jackie Chan? Is it Denzel Washington? Uh, who, who? Well, look, the easy answer is Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Okay, that's the easy answer. But you got to think about the people politicking to be that celebrity. So you know Gwyneth Paltrow is going to be up there because that, that seems to be right up her alley. Jodie Foster is going to be right up there as yeah. well. Because okay? of contact. Exactly. Yeah. She's, into, she's into this. Yeah. I'd send them – hmm. What if? Let me ask you this. I, I'd have to. I got to send them a comic. I got to send them someone light-hearted. So this is my point. What if they come down and they don't ask for a person, but they ask for Mike Lowry from from uh, Bad Boys? I, I, really? Him? Yeah. I, I'd be Martin him. Lawrence. Yeah. Martin Lawrence. They have, I want Mike Lowry. Yeah. Well, I'm, I was just gonna say Spike Lee. They ask for Spike Lee. Yeah. What do they watch? Knicks games? Well, because he's got the seats. They're not going to ask. That's true. I guess if they want to go to a Knicks game, they're going to ask for Spike Lee. I mean, you know how tickets are MSG? Come on. So, so as, a, as a celebrity, you would go with you'd go with um, Morgan Freeman, which is – that's a great call. But it's, a, it's an easy uh, – it's a, it, that's a layup call. That's – you know, I, so we got to be – Well, to your point earlier, if you're going to go with a, a celebrity and a comedian – and they got to be. It's got to be Jackie Chan. Then I think it's Jackie Chan yeah. because he fits a whole bunch of bills. Whoa! He he, huh. he looks what like he looks like the average for? human being. Okay, agreed. Okay, he's getting a little older. And his son's got drug right. charges. So yeah, I know. But careful. we can look past that. They can look past that. They got to have better rehab methods. Well, you got to think about the drugs they got because that's another question we got to get. You know, yeah. Come on now. Here's what we got. <laughs> that's cute. So <laughs> so your first contact is one big drug deal. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why we. Maybe that's why this hasn't worked out. It's been a series of bad drug deals across the galaxy, just we, just imploding. We're that going to the, the wrong alley. Maybe that's what supernovas are. Oh, look at ah, another oh another busted drug deal. 
Look at that. Yep. Uh, that's oh. 500 million light years away, and we can still see that deal going bad. Galactic DEA I mean, blew that one up. So the I, I think I'd send them – who's the biggest celebrity in China? I don't Is know. Is there a jokester? Is there someone who's light – I mean, that's oh, who – Jackie Chan's Jackie gigantic. Chan hits the bill then. That's who I'm sending. Either that or Eddie Izzard if he still promises to wear drag. Eddie Izzard. That is a – Because he a, knows the history. Yeah. And if they've been observing the history – Here's a lighthearted, obviously smart guy who is from England. So if they've been watching, they're going to notice a couple of real cultural points to our planet just on like radio and magnetic waves alone. They're going to be like, okay, London, that's a hot spot. New York, that's a hot spot. L.A., yep, Tokyo, yep, Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong. They're going to be able to pick those spots out. So if you say, hey, here's a guy from one of our hot spots, he's going to come up. And, you know, he's a dude and looks like a girl, and he's quite funny. Enjoy. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? i got to say the answer to that is no. But, you know, another person that might make us look like a serious badass, just from size alone, Xiao Ming. Ooh, yeah, because he might, he might technically be bigger than they are. Yeah. Are they going to be little or are they going to be? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it matters. I think if they're, if they're coming this far... They're not gigantic. That's a lot of power. That's sure. a lot of... I mean, who knows, right? But but I think Xiao Ming would be good. But you know what we'd have to do, Tony? What's that? Before we go any further, particularly talking about galactic drug deals, we have to taste this whiskey. I love whiskey. So what we are drinking today is we're drinking Glen Morangi, uh single malt scotch whiskey, Nectar Dior. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you, Tony. I am a total... Glen Morangie whore. Anything, okay. anything they they put out, I drink and I love it, and what, I think it's fantastic. What, what is Nectar Dior? It's Nectar of Gold. Nectar. Oh, okay. And it is. It's a. It's a. Um, it's a single malt. They've got. A, they've got a number of different single malts, um, different casks, different maturities, sure. etc. Nectar Dior to me is. Um, it's hard for me to put one Glen Morangie above the other. But Nectar Dior is Nectar of the Gods, sure. in addition to being Nectar of Gold. Uh, and I just think it's fantastic. So, it is fantastic. I love the concept of whiskey. I love the thought of whiskey. I love the first human beings who said, look at that grass out there that's got some seeds on it. What could we do with that? And then somehow it evolved into whiskey. Yeah. And maybe do, you think, do, you think, do you think it was just scotch for what do we do with all this peat? Maybe. I mean, yeah, I mean, it kills a lot of birds with one stone, doesn't it? it does I mean, it's you can fight off infection? You can feel better. It's true. It's nutritious. You can get some calories out of it. I would agree with all you, those. You things. know, it's and maybe just maybe our extraterrestrial friends heard about whiskey. There are a hundred worse reasons to come here than than whiskey. Because think yeah. of what we would do if we heard about a, a specially good drink or drug. I mean, there is no inconvenience a human being will suffer to get the next best thing. I just want to go on record saying that one of the first things that you thought of at first contact was what drugs do you have? Which, by the way, I'm not going to lie to you, I love whiskey more than anybody on earth maybe. It's never crossed my mind and might be one of the greatest questions ever about first contact. Maybe it's because I'm married to a nurse who who deals with that on a daily basis and is always telling me about aliens or drugs. Uh, no, the drugs. Got it. Well, 
As a nurse, maybe aliens maybe too. Maybe as well, you know. But for the sake of us, I, you got to ask the question. Hey, yes. fellas, what drugs do you have? Because we need some help down here. This yes. Alzheimer's, we're not a fan of it. Parkinson's. You, you're, you're now, come on. Now, see, now you're going revisionist history talking about Alzheimer's. You're thinking about something completely different than Alzheimer's drugs. But let, let's let's do this. Let's taste this whiskey. Oh, let's man. get a little thing. You, you know, W.C. Fields said, Tony, always carry a flagon of whiskey in case of snake bite. Yes. And furthermore, always carry a small snake. Yeah. And I think it's a very smart thing to do. I think that uh, that Glen Morangi, you know, the good thing about Glen Morangi is you can find it in most liquor stores in the U.S. Truth is, you can probably find it. I was in a liquor store in Mexico last week when Chris and I were down there. Um, and Glen Morangi, not Nectar Dior, but a couple of the other their other uh, verticals were were in the liquor store. Um, you can find Glen Morangi pretty much anywhere on earth. And it's a it's a mass distillery with a small distiller's uh, um, taste. And so, what are your t- when you when you taste this whiskey? What's it taste like? What do you what do you what are you feeling? It, it is different than other scotches I've had, and I like the idea. Again, I just like the concept of single malt that we're going to take this one thing, and we're either going to get it right or wrong on this one thing. And no offense to bourbons or the Canadians. Who you know blend a whole bunch of stuff together, and you're pretty guaranteed that you're going to have a decent product. Single malt scotch. You, that's 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 whiskey without a safety net. You're all in. You, that's you're it, all baby. You're, you, this is either going to suck or it's going to be great, and your fortune's either going to be lost or made by it. I, so for all those distillers up there, especially the ones on that little island of, is it? Islay, I-S-L-A-Y. Islay, Islay. Okay. I'm not sure what it They're is. They're out there on a rock yeah. in the middle of sort of the North Atlantic. It's like us in the galaxy. Tony, yes. this goes all, this, this is why full the whiskey circle. philosopher always comes full circle. Full circle. And, and, and they're out there and they're just saying, I got this barley and I got this peat and we ain't got nothing else. And yeah. we're just going to do it. And here we are. And we're trying to say hello. And... It's a beautiful way to say hello. It is. I agree with you completely. It's a great product. If if we do have first contact anytime in the near future, I am hoping that whiskey is involved because whiskey makes everything easier. Um, and realistically, as we as we end this conversation, because um, thank you first of all for coming oh, on, Tony. My I appreciate pleasure. it. It was a it was a, it was a nice. Uh, um, because this, by the way, th- this podcast originated because of Tony's question at lunch. So thank you for the question. No problem. Because I love it. Uh, and I love trying to figure out what would most impact um, our collective outlook on life and our collective outlook on everything. I personally believe this would be it, uh, the, especially the more we've talked through it. Oh, Look, no, you're you're on it. You've got it. And And to my point about asking for drugs, maybe drugs is how they got here. True. It's a good point. Maybe they took something that opened up the level of consciousness to allow them to go, that's how you do it. That's exactly right. So for all of you meditators out there, meditate on that one uh, and see if you can maybe go to a different planet. Um, Tony, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to end with one question. Post-contact, what becomes the average human definition of success in life? Getting off this rock. 
Really? I think so. I think for me it is. I, I Can I digress for a second? Please. I am bitterly disappointed in what I was taught as a kid because I was sold, as were you, for sure. that we, by this point in our lives, if you are in your early 40s, late 30s, or above, you were sold this, that we would vacation on the moon, that we would be on Mars, and that we would be stepping out at least into the reaches of our solar system. And so far, none of that has happened. I'm never getting off this rock. The best I can hope for is maybe Richard Branson smiles and reaches his hand down to me and puts me on a virgin shuttle for a low orbital ascent, and I get to picture the world from that level? That's the best I can hope for. But I'll never be like Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin. I'll never have my day, Jeff, where I look back at the moon or at the earth from the moon. I'll never have that day. I'm halfway through my life, and I know it's not going to happen. You know what, though? Forget Richard Branson, although I admire him greatly. Call Elon Musk. I could take the one-way trip to Mars, be one of those people that colonizes Mars. You're not coming back. No. You're going to get an unbelievable view of Earth. And what's amazing to me, going back to Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, is that he understood, having no understanding of astronomy or our real place in in the galaxy, uh, I mean, for that matter, he, he you know, I, my guess is Marcus Aurelius thought that that the sun revolved, you know, around us and right. everything else. Um, he understood how small this planet was and yeah. what kind of view you would get, whether it's from the moon or for wherever, and what that means about your outlook on life. Call Elon Musk. Why not? I gotta get. I, I just. I gotta get off this rock. Then do it. Call Elon Musk. Mar, what's it called? Mars One. I think is the is the is the project. You can go to Mars One. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, anybody that's interested, you can, you can do it. I got I got. I'm, I'm going to end on a couple things. So, I have not. I'm not going to lie to you. I've not given a lot of thought to the uh, to the what happens when when the others get here well, until I, until lunch today. I right? don't think we let them leave. Well, I, I think we beg them to stay. So here's some interesting. So I, I I sat down this afternoon for about 45 minutes and I just did some research and I looked on Twitter. And I, there's there's a here's the great thing about humans. There's a great there's a, a huge amount of very, very serious conversation about this, right? Like, I mean, there, there are people whose job it is to think about what happens when aliens get here. And for those Great folks, job. there is no if. It's when. Okay. You want to talk about bitterly disappointed? I'm reading an article today <laughs> by about a 35, 37-year-old guy who has written this article about the the exact protocol to go through when you are met and it's taken into account all these different things their math is different than ours are they even humanoid like all of these different things right and he's got he's got <laughs> it's basically like a flow chart of what you should do depending on if you meet like a single atom uh-huh. that is from here or like you know andre the giant that is that, okay. is, that, that is that is from you know crouton six or whatever mm-hmm. that sounds like a salad but you know what i'm saying crouton six whatever the fuck. and uh, and everything in between. And I'm reading this article, and I'm trying to take it very seriously because I do want to talk about this, and I do want to want to um, give something that's marginally entertaining. And all I could think of was, what happens if in our life nobody ever shows up, right? And no aliens ever come. This guy is going to die the angriest yeah. person in the history of the world. So don't die angry, Tony, about not being able to to, to ride in your Jetsons mobile around the U.S., don't die angry about not being able to go to go to go to space. Call Elon Musk. I think Chris has got his cell phone number. Call him. 
get on Mars One, get on that trip and go, and on your trip, because I know you'll look at Twitter on your trip, you're a, you're a big Twitterian, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to follow some folks talking about both in jest and some really, really funny shit about, about alien contact, or a couple folks that actually take it seriously and, and really want to talk about what would happen, because that does fascinate me, um, you can, on Twitter, you can follow the following four folks. All of these are with ats in front of them. All Things Alien is one of them. Alien Contact is another one. Okay. Alien Contact AU, which I believe the AU stands for American University. That I believe this guy is either professor at American University or he just presented there one time and, and, and is acting like he's a professor at American University. Or no. contacting them. So at contacting them, at Alien Contact AU, at Alien Contact, or which, by the way, the American University guy had to be so pissed oh, when he entered in that that's gone. Alien Contact, and it was, and then he had to put AU at the end. Because what if he gets a job at, you know, oh, University of Delaware? Exactly. Um, contact then, DE. Exactly. Has, has no cachet yeah, yeah, contact, at all. Contact duh. Yeah, yeah it's got yeah, nothing. I, I like the last one. Because they had to be the first three Twitters to me sound like a way to get a green card. Agreed. So, yeah, I all like things it. alien. Right. Contacting them also, that's going on the offensive. That's not defensive. Like we're gonna go, we're gonna go find them. Yeah, we shouldn't right? be doing that. Yeah, I don't think that's wise. And I know a lot of these, you know, guys who have thought this out think the same thing. Yeah. Don't go broadcasting w- w- until you know the deck that you're playing with. Oh man, you know what though? All of us live lives, Tony, where. We, we contact them every day. We're all out there taking risks, doing things. I think for us as a species, if if the bad guys are out there, we're in deep shit anyway. Let's go yeah. out and just figure out what's going on. I mean, you know, that's a, and that's a whole other discussion, which maybe we'll come back to on another launch and another, another uh, Whiskey Philosopher podcast. But, Tony, I, I really appreciate you um, – uh, coming in today and talking about this lunch was really fun. This has been equally fun for all of you. All of you listening out there, please send us your your questions. Um, if you have questions for Tony, you can send them to me, and, and we'll we'll bring Tone back on. Jeff at the whiskey dot com. Go to the iTunes podcast store. Subscribe to the podcast. Go to uh, Stitcher. Um, get the Stitcher app on on um, on your Android and download the Whiskey Philosopher. Uh, it'll show up on your phone every week. You can do an auto-download if you want, which is in your, your options on uh, on both. Um, and any questions, comments, complaints, leave them in the comments section on the iTunes Store or, or on Stitcher. Please give us a rating. Um, we really appreciate it. It helps us all the way through. Um, and anything you want to hear us talk about in the future, any sort of goofy thing that, that, that impacts uh, philosophy or people's outlook on life or just generally goofy stuff, which for those of you who've, who have uh, subscribed, you know that that's not uh, not below us. Um, so give us a shout, and uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you all. And we'll be back next week with Episode 5 of The Whiskey Philosopher, Subject TBD. Um, looking forward to it. Tony, thanks again. Chris, I was thanks as always. You're welcome, my man. And we'll go from there. We will see you all next week. You're listening to The Whiskey Philosopher with Jeff Cooper on the Ignotainment Media Network. Visit us at www.ignotainment.com. With that in the nighttime, we've strange memories. Seems a lifetime.